following is a continuation in our series looking at the effects of sin on areas of our lives and how Jesus seeks to speak into them. We hope you enjoy. Father, thank you so much for this day and thank you for this time that we can come together and we can talk about how we use our time and the ineffective ways that we use our time and the good ways that we use our time. So we do pray that as we wrestle with this topic tonight, Lord, that you would teach us and help us to better understand how we can glorify you in all things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So two riddles for you tonight. What is always approaching but never arrives? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. So if you think about it, tomorrow never actually arrives, because by the time you get to tomorrow, what is it? It's today. Uh, so it's always this thing that's coming, but never arrives. What continually passes you by, but never comes back? Close. Ben. The present. The present is always passing us by, but it never returns. The way that we view time actually shapes the way that we use it. If we are always putting things off until tomorrow, okay, that's going to affect the way that we use our time today. If we're always dwelling on the past, that actually might affect the way that we view our time today. So what I want us to see tonight is that our time is limited, so we should use it to do what we were created to do. Our time is limited, so we should use it to do what we were created to do. If one of our catechism questions is, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is to glorify him and enjoy him forever. That's kind of the basis for, like, that's what life is about. We're to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So tonight, I'll just ask our same two questions. How has the fall deformed our view of time? And then how has Jesus reformed it for us? So Caleb's going to come up and read Genesis 1, 27 to 31. Thank you so much. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Awesome. Thank you. All right, so when God created the earth and everything in it, he took specific sets of time to perform specific tasks to show his creative power to us. So God separated the light and the darkness on day one, and it was good. He separated the waters from the heavens, the sky, and the earth on day two, and it was he made the waters and the dry land and vegetation on day three, and it was? Good. He made the sun, moon, and stars on day four. Good. God made the animals to dwell on the sea and in the sky on day five. Good. God made animals and mankind to dwell on the land on day six, and it was? Good. Okay, so the Bible tells us that these specific periods of time where God did specific work, it was good, it was productive, it was something that was viewed as such a positive thing. God created, and it was good. Okay? Each day was good. He set aside specific periods of time for tasks, and he used that time to do what brought him glory. This closely ties in from our lesson that we did on work way back in like March, which you all all remember, right? There's going to be some overlap with that because the way that we view our time and the way that we view work coincides. But the work was good. 
Okay? The use of the time was well spent. How much of you think that your time is well spent? One person raised their hand. Maybe two. Some of us don't think that we use our time well, and maybe that should be convicting for you. But work itself was given to mankind as a means to do what? When God said you're going to work the fields and work the ground, what was the whole purpose of it? To do what? You can answer this. To glorify God. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever, right? Verse 28 says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and every living thing that moves on the earth. So their work was to spend their days in periods of work and rest, glorifying God through all that they did. So when we get to Genesis 3, this is where things get a little bit out of whack, and I forgot who I asked to read this. Caitlin, come on up. Genesis 3, 15 and 19. Verses are on the board for you. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between her offspring and her offspring. You shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. You desire, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So as we've seen every week, uh, as we've looked at different topics, the fall brings about numerous consequences to various areas of life. So specifically with time, the fall affects the way that we view time, and the fall affects the way that we use our time. Sinfully, we see time as something that belongs to who? It belongs to us. Okay? So oftentimes we use our time selfishly. What are some ways that we can selfishly use our time? Please raise your hand. I mean, that's not a bad thing, but it can be a selfish thing. What could be something that you selfishly use all your time for? Like scrolling. Okay, just <laughs> doing whatever you want to do. Deja. Okay, okay. Y'all are kind of getting ahead of me here. Okay. I want you to think about this. There's nothing wrong with doing the things that we enjoy. There's nothing wrong with it. God gives us things to enjoy here in life, Okay whether that's sports or whether you're into movies or maybe you're really into Star Wars, okay? We all have our things, right, that we enjoy doing, but as with anything, those good things can become what? Bad. Idols, okay? They can become idols very quickly if we're not careful. So it's our job as followers of Jesus to look at the way that we spend our time, and there's nothing wrong with watching movies or watching sports or watching Star Wars or crocheting or whatever you like to do, right? Riding horses. There's infinite things that we enjoy doing, right? There's nothing wrong with those, but if if that's all we do with our time, then what's the problem? We're not devoting our time to things that might be more edifying and glorifying to God. And again, not that those things can't bring glory to God, but we need to be very conscious of the way that we view our time, because if all we do is just fill our schedules with me time, then that's a very selfish way of viewing our time. And Oftentimes, the things that we enjoy, when they become idols, what happens when other things start to press up against your time with your idols? Who gets upset? You and your idols get very upset. Me and my idols get very upset. It's because of the fall that we view it this way. We see our time as our time, and we don't like people encroaching on that. So we want to spend the time the way that we want to use it, and we want to control that time as best as we can or as much as we can in very selfish ways. 
Okay, so some of you said it earlier, so we can also view our time or use our time lazily. Who here loves to just kick back on the couch, relax? Okay, let me tell you again, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, it's good for us to rest. We need periods of rest. We are fallen human beings. We need rest because we can't stay up for 10, 20 days at a time. It's just not possible. As much as we want to try, it's not healthy. Please don't do it. And this is kind of dovetailing off the selfish way that we use our time, but we also use our times as a means to procrastinate and be lazy. And again, there are times that this is okay, but it shouldn't be your go-to standard protocol, right? You shouldn't always be lazy all the time. What can happen if you just spend all of your days being lazy? Nora. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Muscle atrophy. Okay. I wasn't expecting that. Okay. That's a good, that's a great answer. Okay. You're, you're going to waste your time. Maybe your friends will never see you. They may not even think you're alive. If we just spend all of our time being lazy, then that's actually removing us from that call to glorify God and enjoy him forever. If we're just sitting around doing nothing, then we're not actively trying to glorify God. Now, again, rest is good and we need it. And it's okay to have those days where you just need to, to rest but it shouldn't be every day. Where God sets aside times to be productive, we too set aside times to be very unproductive, and that's just not part of who we were made to be. So we need to be mindful of that. And then lastly, we can use our time very wastefully too. So who here has ever just completely just wasted your time? That's different than being lazy, right? Just spending it frivolously on things that really don't matter, okay? And again, this is not a bad thing. But if it's all you do, then it's a bad thing. Okay, so, and all of these tied together. We can choose to be very unproductive by being lazy, but we can also choose to use our time very unproductively by scrolling on our phone for four hours or playing video games for 27 hours straight or, I don't know, whatever else you waste your time on. And we all have our thing, right? We all have our thing that we waste our time with. It'll be different for all of us. We can devote large amounts of time simply just to waste time. And tying in with this is that idea of procrastination. Sometimes there's very more important things that we should be doing with our time, but we're choosing to waste it. Have any of you all seen the movie Interstellar? Yes. I love the movie Interstellar. I hate the last 10 minutes of the movie Interstellar. It frustrates me, okay? I don't like the end of that movie. There is one scene that I actually find really compelling, and it's the scene where, so Matthew McConaughey, he's going off to find this distant planet to save the Earth, okay? And why are you all laughing? Do you not like this movie? Okay. Uh, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> so there's this scene where Matthew McConaughey, he's in space, and kind of where he is, like, time is different than it is on Earth. So, like, his children are getting really, really old while he's staying a little bit young. And he's watching these videos that were sent through space. He's essentially watching his children grow up without actually being there. There's this sense of just, like, are you all right? You crying? You crying? <laughs> I bring this up because Matthew McConaughey actually makes this super compelling in the way that he acts, like it is super gripping. And when I watch it, I'm like, man, that guy is being really, really emotional about this. He sees that his time has gotten away from him. Like, yes, he has a very important mission to go save the earth. That's a pretty important mission, right? I'm pro saving the earth. As he's watching his children grow up and the videos just get more and more sad because his children are essentially like, yeah, I'm probably never going to see you again. So why am I wasting my time doing these videos? It, It just gets really sad. But he is wrestling with the question Has my time been well spent? Has my time been wasted? Have I used this time for good? And and yes, saving the world is good, but he's really wrestling with that. Like, he's missing out on his children's growth, and that's very sad for him. 
I share that with you because I want us to think about the ways that we view our time too. And I think it's very important for us to think about the way that Jesus fits into this. Let's read James 4, 13 to 17. Ryan's going to come up and read that. We're going to look at how Jesus reforms our use of time. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So one thing that Jesus does is help reframe the way that we view our time. We typically think of time as a belonging. It's ours, so we want to use it the way we want. However, time is a gift, and it's something that should be stewarded. And you all know what stewarding something is? It means you're caring for it, you're cultivating it, you're taking care of it. Okay? And one of the best ways that we can steward our time is realizing that we have limited amounts of it, so that the time that we do have, we choose to use wisely. Now, please don't hear me say that every minute of your day, awake time, needs to be filled with productivity. We can't be productive for 16 hours a day. It's not going to happen. And maybe if you can, then good for you. But that's probably not sustainable. The time that we do have, we should choose to use wisely. And James touches on this in this passage. The people he's writing to, they're making these plans. They're boasting about their lives. They're saying things like, today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Now, plans aren't bad, right? But having this like blanket, oh, I'll just take care of it tomorrow. It's going to be good. What's the problem with that? We're not guaranteed tomorrow, right? So these plans are, even though they're probably good plans, they're a bit frivolous at this point because... They may not get to tomorrow to make these trades and to make money here and there. So as we make plans for the use of our time, it should always be done with this understanding that we're not guaranteed anything so that we should live in the moment we're in with this idea of I'm here to glorify God and enjoy him forever. How can I do that with this day that he's given me? How can I do that with this time that he's giving me? And again, please do not hear me say that you need to be like walking around praising Jesus at every moment of your day. Okay. We can glorify God through everything that we do. You glorify God through the way that you do school. You glorify God through the way that you play sports. You glorify God through crocheting. I'll throw crocheting out again, right? Whatever it is, you can glorify God through that. And there are aspects of corporate worship which are good and we need, but all of life is worship. This is why James cautions these people by saying, instead you ought to say, and this is in verse 15, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So it's this perspective of my time is not my own. It belongs to God. And if it's his plan for me to do this, then so be it. I'm going to enjoy that and glorify God through it. But we should never view our time as ours because that's a very selfish view of time. Lastly, there's a purposeful use of time. And we're going to end with Matthew 25, 14 to 30. Caroline's going to come up and read that. Matthew 25, 14 to 30. This is a bit of a long one, but this is a parable. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted him to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went away at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So he also, who had the two talents, made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. 
And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been a little faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested money money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him... But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Right, so this parable teaches us a very important principle. Okay, this principle is that we're to make a purposeful use of our time. So these servants are given different talents, different amounts of money. And the master of the house, he goes away. So the, the one's given five, one's given two, and one's given one. And both of the, the workers who received multiple talents did what? They invested that money, and they brought back interest. So the one with five brought back five more. The one with two brought back two more. Yet the one who had just one talent did something very, very differently. Okay? In fact, he did very little. He buried it in the ground. Okay? And why do you think he did this? It said it in the passage. Why does he do it? Yeah, yeah. he knew he was a harsh man, and he was afraid of him, right? He was scared. Okay? So in his fear, he chose to do nothing with what was entrusted to him. He chose to not steward that gift. Okay? Now, the master, naturally, when he comes home and sees the first two, he's pleased. In fact, in verse 21 and 23, he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Okay? But as he comes to the one who did nothing, there's a very different response. Now, I want you to imagine being this guy. Your two colleagues just got praised for their work. And you're quickly, like, brushing off the dirt from the talent that you just dug up from the ground. And you're like, how do I make this look good, right? How do I make myself look good or less bad here? He was terrified. Do you notice how he tried to justify it? He says, here, have what is yours, as if he was so proud of it. And what does the master call him? What word does he use? Slothful, okay, lazy. He had the opportunity to use his time wisely, and he chose to do what? He acted out of fear, and he did nothing. How much of this is kind of like us? We're given time to use faithfully, but sometimes we don't know what to do with it, and we live by fear. And what does fear do to us? You can answer this. Okay, yeah, it can cripple us. It can make us freeze. We don't know what to do. It can make us make poor decisions. We can make very rash decisions or overreact when we're afraid. Have you all ever just made a terrible decision in a moment, and you're like, man, that was the wrong choice? We can use that fear to not make a decision. Sometimes it makes us lock up. And sometimes in that fear, we just want to pretend like it doesn't exist. We bury it in the ground. Say, I'd rather not deal with this right now. I'm not going to use this time wisely. 
So in all this, we are called to make good use of our time. And the good news for us is that Jesus desires to see that in your life. Jesus desires to meet you in your busyness, because I know y'all are super busy all the time. We are called to make good use of your time. How many times have you had something very important to do and you waited to the last minute to do it? Every single one of you should be raising your hands. I'm guilty as well. How often has it looked like you initiating just a small bit, like, oh yeah, I'm going to start this, but then I'll get distracted for a little bit. And then those minutes become hours, and those hours might become days, and those days might become weeks, and then all of a sudden, your project, paper, whatever it is, is due the next day, and you're like, oh man, have I got a lot to do. God doesn't want us to view our time like that. We should invest in the good things, like we should put in a good effort into whatever is given to us, steward it, and we're to also enjoy times of rest as well. But we're not to just look at our time and be like, you know what, I'm just going to go play Xbox for 45 minutes instead of actually doing my homework or writing this paper that's due in 30 minutes or whatever, right? He wants us to use that time well. We are given 24 hours, 1,440 minutes, 86,400 seconds in a day, and every one of those is a gift to you. And the Bible does not prescribe, again, that we're to be productive with every single one of those minutes, every single one of those seconds, every single one of those hours. And we can't, right? Some of that should be devoted to sleep. Okay? Some of that should be devoted to work. Some of that should be devoted to family, friends, right? But a good portion of this should be devoted into wise stewarding of our time. And what that's going to look like is different for each one of you. And I want to encourage you to think about the ways that you view your time. Some of us are very productive at certain parts of the day. Some of us are morning people. And our peak times usually are in the morning or the early afternoon. Some of us, our peak time is at night, and that's like the best time for us to get stuff done. Whatever that is for you, I encourage you to use the best use of that particular time. Like if you get anything out of this, I want you to think about the times that you are most productive and can get the most things done. And like set aside that time to actually do those things. Instead of getting distracted, be like, and you know what, at night, that's usually when I'm I'm at my most focused and I, I can get the best work done. So, yeah, I can goof off for a little bit in the afternoons, but once that specific point in time, whatever it is, maybe it's 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, I don't know. But when that time hits, you turn the gear on and you say, I've got things that I need to do, or I have things that might be good for me and edifying for me and productive for me, and use that time. Well, I think that will be a good, helpful practice for us. Paul writes in Ephesians 5, 15 to 17, Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We should think about ways that our time can be used in unproductive ways and seek to ask the Lord, like, Lord, help me, help me be a better steward of this. Like, I enjoy being distracted. Maybe there's a few less hours I could be distracted or a few less minutes I could be distracted. Again, all the things that we enjoy in life, like our hobbies, they're great, and we need those. Like, we need those to be sane, right? If there's things you enjoy doing, you get a lot of life out of it. And that's good, and that's wonderful. But sometimes we can almost use that as a crutch, as a distraction from better ways of using our time. So the fall gave us a deformed view of time. Jesus, by his grace, wants you to look at your time as not yours, but his. And he wants you to use that in healthy ways. He can reform it for you and for your good. So let me pray for us. We'll head to small groups, and then we'll be done for the evening. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the gift of time, Lord, and thank you for ways that we can use that time for your glory. So I do pray that we wouldn't overthink this and that we wouldn't try to fill every second with too much, Lord, but rather you would help us to just look at the way that we use our days, Lord, so that we can better use those peak times for productive and glorifying work for you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an ear out for more audio upcoming from WYM.